This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. It is easier to understand our passage today if we look at the story that comes just before it in the gospel. The story of the man born blind. In a nutshell, Jesus said of him, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works may be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes. And I am very aware that every time I speak to you lately, it is about something gross. <laughs> Either someone's putting their hand in Jesus's bloody side or someone's now spitting in someone else's eye. Sorry about that, it's just the luck of the draw. The blind man said after the miracle, he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born entirely in sins and you are trying to teach us? They, in this gospel, are the Pharisees. In order to understand what's happening here in our passage today, it's crucial that we understand that there are two different groups in the context in which this piece is written. There are Pharisees and there are disciples. In this situation, Jesus has spit into dirt to make mud and rubbed it all over the eyes of a man who was born blind. This man gives his testimony, and then the Pharisees will not listen to him because, as they say, he was born into sin. Now, in today's gospel, Jesus is speaking of the sheep and the gate and who the sheep listen to, whether it be the good shepherd or it be someone else who came before him. Jesus is drawing a contrast between the bad shepherding of the Pharisees and anyone who came before them. And this is seen in the attitude of the Pharisees where the blind man is not good enough for them. His word is not good enough for them. So there are the Pharisees, and then there's the good shepherd, which is Jesus. There are Judeans who will eventually be called Jews, and there are Christ followers who will eventually become Christians. Anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way is a thief and and a bandit, he says. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, technically speaking, eastern sheepfolds had only one door, and this was either guarded by the shepherd himself, if there was one flock, or by a gatekeeper, if there were multiple flocks. The gatekeeper would know each shepherd, and then the sheep would know their shepherd by the sound of his voice. So we know then, because it is said here, that there can be more than one flock on a hillside. 
And we can imagine that. There can be lots of sheep on a hillside, plenty to feed everyone. And so they would have to gather their sheep up. And so they would call them and the sheep would know by the sound of their voice. When several flocks were there, though, the gatekeeper would know the shepherds and the thieves would be forced to enter by other means. That's what we're told. And to be clear, this is a story of othering. Are you hearing that? Shepherds and thieves, them and us, good and bad. In those days, and sometimes even in these, particularly here in Austin, the Jewish people have been othered, oppressed, and even among us today, given a lower place in the kingdom because they chose not to follow Christ as their Messiah. They are still waiting for their Messiah, and I deeply respect that. This is also a story of Jesus telling his people that they will know him by his voice. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And so I'll stretch this out a bit to say that in this reading, Christ is vague enough for us to allow that every different flock has its very own shepherd, right? And we see that. We can imagine the flocks of the sheep on the, on the hillside. And we can imagine that there is not just one flock. And we know this because there is a gatekeeper, they say it, that will allow in each different flock. And we know that a flock can trust their particular shepherd by trusting their instincts, by knowing their particular shepherd by his voice. And I want you to notice specifically that this parable pushes into the idea that there can be other flocks. That's what I want you to hear. There can be other voices to follow. There can be other sheep. Pharisees, disciples, gatekeepers, shepherds. There can be politicians and doctors and teachers and liars. We have a flock of unhoused people downstairs. There's another flock right over there, entrenched in the 88th session. Our kids are in a flock of their own at school. And in these places, the flock follows their instincts and their own rules and their own voices as guidance, right? In our flock, where Christ is our shepherd, we listen for a deep and kind truth that can lead us to salvation through love and community and prayer. How we hear Christ leading us is by listening for his voice by listening for the voice of God, guiding us home to a heart space that is full of care for the flocks we encounter and tolerance for those within our midst. Jesus told his disciples that people will know them by their love. We've just put ourselves in the midst of that love through foot washing and by walking in the path of Christ's very salvation because we loved ones are in Eastertide. And so I ask you, can you hear what Christ is telling us about each of these different flocks that we are in the midst of? Downstairs and over there 
and in this very room? Do these flocks need us? Were they blind at birth and can we heal them with mud or something else? Can we heal ourselves? Can we respond in some way, in any way? What I do know is that many among us are increasingly lost. Many among us are in pain and don't have what we need. Mental health care services are scarce. Shelter is scarce. A way forward through trauma from pandemic and loss and pain is difficult. And many are blinded by their circumstances in so many ways. And what I do know is that they are us. Because of that, part of the response we believe we can give is in speaking to the city about building structures and supports to help our people. We did this, Chuck and I, this week. We talked to Echo about what the future of downtown looks like and what services might be available in the future. I sat in a meeting with the city of all of the cluster of churches that are down here that have and see needs for their people. Part of the response we believe we can give is in serving our most vulnerable right here and walking through the tension of living on the margins with people who are suffering. People who at times make us feel uncomfortable or even unsafe. We did day of service just yesterday where we made blankets for folks who are coming into foster care. We worked in the, um, in the closed closet down at Trinity Center. We went to Next to New and did a sidewalk sale. And we worked in the community garden at El Buen. It's just part of the way that we think we can respond. Another part of our response can be learning how to mitigate crises like accidental overdose, a situation where one of our own might find themselves in a predicament that could take them from us quite suddenly. We can be responsive by understanding what is out there on the streets, how to administer a solution that is every bit as miraculous as Jesus curing that man by putting mud on his eyes. To that end, we learned about Narcan just now together in Crail C. And if you didn't get a chance to be there, I am happy to discuss it with you anytime. That is because what I believe Jesus is saying to us in this moment, in this parable, is that we will know what is right for us to do when we hear it. We will respond when we're prepared, when we are compelled, when we are called to do so. There are so many things that we confront every single day, so let me prepare you for just even one. The rest of the preparation will come by the grace of God, because that's what he promised. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.